If you want legendary service, if you, you want sweeter discounts, shop Save by bundling auto and home with insurance. Millions of Planet Fitness members are defeating low energy and finding their big fitness energy. And right now, you can join them for just $1 down and $10 a month. That's so nice, I think I'll say it twice. You can join Planet Fitness for $1 down and $10 a month. No commitment. Cancel any time. What a deal! Join the judgment-free zone today and enjoy tons of equipment in a clean and spacious club. $1 down, $10 a month, no commitment, cancel any time. Deal ends Wednesday, April 5th. See Home Club for details. What's up, everybody? You're listening to the All Things Dave podcast, a podcast dedicated to all the freaks, geeks, losers, goobers, podcasters, and fellow YouTubers. I'm your host, Phantom Dark Dave. Did you see the episode? Who is Bela Lugosi Jr.? Well, I bet you know who Bela Lugosi Sr. is. He played Dracula in the 1931 film, as well as Frankenstein's monster in Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman, and he played Igor in Son of Frankenstein and Ghost of Frankenstein. (laughs) Now, these roles may be iconic, but they are still just tip of the iceberg when you learn all about his career. So, Kick back and enjoy this classic interview that Jed, Bryan, and myself did. Learn all about Bela Lugosi and his son. And now the moment you've all been waiting for. Please put your hands together as if he can hear you. He is the son of legendary actor Bela Lugosi Sr. Please welcome to the show his son, Bela. Hello, gentlemen. Glad to be with you. Bela, thank you for taking the time to speak with us. I want to start a little chronological, if we can, and I want to know a little bit about your father. Can you tell me about his career before he landed the role of a lifetime? He was 49 years old when he made the film Dracula. So he already had a long career before he ever uh, made that film. And uh, actually... He started uh, portraying that character and making it his own uh, earlier than the 1931 movie. Uh, he played it on Broadway and toured with it around the country and he had a well-established uh, persona as Count Dracula before the movie was ever made. Yes, your father did have quite a career before Dracula. He was in such silent films, transitioned over to talkie films, and become quite a horror icon, uh, at least in our eyes. Did you get to visit on set of any of his films? You know, uh, (laughs) two two that I know of, one of which I clearly remember, which is Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein in 1948. And the other one, uh, I have seen pictures of myself on the set, but I don't remember it because I was too little, I was too young. 
So I, when I answer that question, I'm really, I'm really only thinking of, of uh, Evan Costello meet Frankenstein, and and I was on the set, and that was that was really a wonderful experience that never left me. I, I remember so much about it. I guess it's kind of a blessing in disguise that you would at least get to see your father play Dracula one more time. You know, uh, yes. I, I, my regret is I never saw him on stage, and that was his preferred medium. Uh, he really, he really, uh, his, his voice goes to the back back row in the theater. And he, he'd walk into a room and you'd, you'd hear that voice, and and that is much imitated but never duplicated. Do you have any interesting stories about being on the set of Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein? Yeah, a couple of interesting things uh, that I particularly remember. Um, they had a uh, like a cart, a commissary cart, where they had beverages and things like that. And between takes, Lon Chaney Jr. and Glenn Strange would accompany me over to the cart. And they'd be, of course, in full costume. And uh, we got a lot of interesting looks. Oh, and I then, bet. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then um, another thing, he, uh, he he was one take. And if, and if there had to be more takes, it's because someone else flubbed their lines. Because Dad... Being a consummate professional, he studied, he studied, he memorized, and he had those parts down before he ever walked onto the set. And uh, what I observed was how much respect and deference the, the, the cast and crew were to Dad. And... Um, Another little tidbit your listeners might want to know. Uh, it was a very dark set, as you remember. And, to, and it got very somber. And so the studio hired comedians to walk around and make jokes and cut, do cut-ups just to keep the mood lighter. That was sort of a new phenomenon for me. That's pretty remarkable hearing stories of firsthand accounts of you being on a Universal Monster set. I mean, it's just, you know, just gives me goosebumps just hearing the stories. But I was I was infatuated with the female lead. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Your your father played several different horror icons throughout the years. I mean, he was in White Zombie. He was, you know, Dracula. I mean, he was Igor. Uh, did he have a favorite role? that you know? I mean, Dracula's probably his favorite, but was there another role that he really liked to talk about? Yeah. It, it would be Igor. He, he was really pleased that um, he was allowed to really develop that into really what became the star of the, of the movie. Uh, he did such a memorable performance and, and you know, there's a little spark of comedy there, and he'd always wished he could have played a variety of roles other than just the boogeyman, like the, the, the little comic bits. And uh, what was his relationship like with some of the other horror icons? 
Well, you know, I, I, the only interaction that I ever saw with other people in the movie business was at uh, his his own house parties he, he'd have and going out, but he didn't really. Um, his friends were not the movie people. They were they were the, the Hungarian community. They were artists, dancers. Things like that, the, the arts and the, and the sciences. Karloff, on the other hand, had a whole different circle of friends. You know, he was, he was an Englishman. He liked tea and flower and gardening. And, you know, Dad liked the parties and the cigars and wine. <laughs> Your father was also on the USPS stamps back in the 90s. I, as a kid, I remember this so well. My mom brought home the Universal Monster stamps, and I actually got to see the pictures of the actors who played the monsters in the films. And I was always curious about how that came about. I mean, I used to have, I think I had a Dracula pen and pencil. I mean, they had all kinds of awesome merch. And I was always curious about how that whole thing came about to have the monsters on the stamps. Too bad it wasn't one of those, what they call forever stamps. But it was a, and so they're not really used. You don't, you never see them anymore. Um, except, you know, for what collectors, collectors have. But, um, there was an effort by, you know, Ron Chaney and Sarah Karloff and myself to try to persuade the U.S. Post Office to do a commemorative edition, 32 cent stamps. And, um, you know, they they had a real nice launch event over at the studio and put together a, a collage of, of in in costume and out of costume life of the the horror uh, icons. You're also very well known for the case Lagosi versus Universal Studios. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about that landmark case? In 1963, I was in law school, and Universal started licensing my dad's name and likeness for commercial projects without ever checking with me or consulting me. And uh, I brought a lawsuit while I was still in law school. And that, that case, with all its appeals and whatnot, went on for like 13 years before it was settled. And the court uh, ultimately decided that there was no law that gave the, uh, the rights after the passing of a celebrity to commercially uh, exploit the name and likeness of their famous ancestor. And the court, the Supreme, California Supreme Court, saying that if there is to be such a law, the legislature has to pass it. And a few years after that decision, that's exactly what the unit, that's what the uh, legislature in California did. It's called the Celebrity Rights Act, and it's still valid today and protects all the people that are the, you know, the, the talent. Sounds like a goal well achieved. Turned out okay. Hey, Bela, I was checking out your website, and... 
It looks like you guys have your own brand of wine. Can you tell us more about one specific one titled White Zombie? And I was curious, is that something we can expect in 2019? <laughs> in 2019, well, probably 2020 would be more real, more realistic. Uh, it's a very complicated business. All sorts of regulations and, and laws pertaining to the alcoholic beverage uh, area and so we we came out first with a red wine a Malbec from Argentina and that sold out and then we had the next year's vintage which would be a 2008 and it's now sold out and we have not gone past that there's there's no more uh, in the stores so we you know we pretty much have to start from scratch and do our diligence in, in, in finding wines which are worthy of, you know, really my dad's status in the industry. Well, it sounds like you definitely hit a home run with that, for sure. Um, yeah, but- you know, he also, he, I don't know if you know this, but he was also one of the founding members, along with Boris Karloff, of the Screen Actors Guild. Yeah, we uh, we actually had spoken with Sarah Karloff, and she had mentioned that about the Screen Actors Guild and stuff, and about how everyone had to meet in secret and stuff. And you know what a great organization to know that your father was a part of founding that, and uh, everyone in the film industry definitely salutes your father for that. Oh, nice. Thanks. And also, speaking of 2019, uh, we have caught wind that there's a authorized family biography coming out. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about this? Yeah, I can. There's, there's one written uh, many years ago. We, was the same author is now updating it. There's been, you know, with technology advances, there's more uh, information that uh, we're able to find. And so it's it's been written. The text is all done. It's in the hands of the publisher. Uh, the photographs have been selected. There's about 400 photographs. And the only thing left to do is to uh, write the captions under the photographs and, and figure out where in, in the text they would be placed. So we're well on our way to getting it done, maybe this year. But again, you know, I've learned <laughs> always double it. Anyway, it's coming. Well, we'll definitely keep our eyes posted for that. Jed and I are big monster kids at heart. And we do everything we can to keep the memory, the love, and the support alive of your father and all the other horror icons that uh, have left us too soon. Well, this will, this will be the uh, official biography. It, it has everything in there, good and bad. It's all there. And it really shows what a remarkable person he is to persevere through all the challenges that he had to face and quite a life is there a possibility that you guys are wanting to maybe do a a movie on this at some point in time after the book's released because i'm sure it'd be you know a lot of people love these true story type films and i i would definitely be interested in seeing this yeah yeah well that's uh, our our goal our mission is really to keep dad's legacy alive and uh, part of that will be projects like 
the book, a film, you know, things that merchandise, appearances at uh, conventions. And anyway, that's that's what I do. And you um, you've spoken with my daughter Lynn Sparks, and she's very active and and fulfilling that mission. Does a great job. Bela, if our audience wants to stay in touch with the book and other future projects that are definitely coming our way, where can they find these things? BelaLugosi.com or LugosiEnterprises.com. Bela, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast and just kind of share a little bit of memories about your father and gracing us with all the knowledge. Well, you're both very nice, and I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Bill. I mean, this has been, you know, I've had some questions for years. I've always wanted to hear a first-hand, a first-hand account of someone actually being on a Universal Monster set, and you definitely fulfilled that dream for me. So thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Well, that's very nice. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. And there you have it. Who is Bela Lugosi Jr.? Well, I hope now you have a better idea and you enjoyed the interview. I know the interview itself was a little short and it makes for a short episode, but sometimes that's okay. You got a shorter drive, you got a short episode to listen to. But I tell you what it did, though. It made a major impact on both Jed and my life. Um, you know, we love these universal monsters and just getting to get a little look at behind the scenes, man, that just, that's the cherry on top. Like, I'm going to watch these movies anyway. I love them. But just getting to get that sneak peek about what life was like growing up in the company of these actors and being on set, you know, being able to see uh, Universal Studios back in the heyday, man, that's just something I wish I could have had. But since I couldn't, it's the next best thing. And I love it. So I hope you guys love it too. Stay tuned. More classic interviews, and I promise I'm going to be reviewing some classic movies, and I can't wait to do it, but I know as soon as I do, it's like opening the floodgates, man. There ain't no stopping me. <laughs> if you want to reach out to me, hit me up on Twitter, man. I love talking movies with you guys. I'm at Dave underscore Phantom, but I only want to talk movies. Don't be hitting me up and wanting to talk favorite country songs, because I ain't going to fucking do it. Promise. That ain't me, man. But seriously, if you guys enjoy the episode, you guys enjoy the podcast, hit up iTunes, man, or Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it. Leave me a five-star review. I would love to grow, let people find the show. And you know what? If you're a podcaster out there and you want to uh, have me check out your episode, hit me up. Tag me in an episode, or you can DM me. Send me your podcast. Let me know which episode you want me to check out. If uh, everything is awesome and you guys just want to like do an episode together, I'm all about having guests. I mean, did you see every single fucking episode? But uh, no, I just love to talk horror with you guys, and uh, it's a lot of fun to interact with listeners. And I gotta tell you, some of my best friends in the world I met in the Twitterverse. So you guys keep doing what you do. I'm Phantom Dark Dave. Let's watch some movies and just have a really fucking good time. You guys have a great day. Catch you in a few. Thank you.
It's the greatest story in sports. Start dropping straight back. Hit as he throws. Has the ball. It is the I'm Doug Russell, and this is Tales from 1265, an insider's look at football's most storied franchise, a franchise that has had its dynasties. This is the first Super Bowl trophy, and uh, it's something Green Bay can keep. We're going to have a, a new trophy each year. And its rebirths. Every major football decision will be made by Ron Wolf. I realize I'm a Green Bay Packer now, and maybe I can prove that I am worth the first-round pick next year, but just got to be patient. But I was really impressed with the coaching staff, with the whole organization, and with the direction the team is going. I think they, they have a total commitment to winning. Tales from 1265 is presented by Nicolay Law, your local award-winning injury lawyers. If you've been injured, get Nicolay, Wisconsin's winning team of lawyers that will get you back in the game. Tales from 1265 is a production of iHeartRadio Podcasts and is available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 